Welcome to the Great Council, where we use intelligent debate and passionate discussion to talk about the stuff you are not supposed to discuss at the dinner table. I have an, a different kind of show for you today. For Veterans Day, I have been interviewing veterans, and I've gotten a variety of good stories to share. Most of these interviews are going to be compiled into one show that I'm going to release on Veterans Day. This one and maybe one or two others are long enough that I felt that I could turn them into a, a, a show all by themselves. This is Walter. He was in the Marines three years ago, and he has just now re-enlisted and is now in the Army. Here you go. Uh, Walter, I was a corporal, debt three maintenance, and... Yeah. I was a mechanic. And, like, what did you do on a daily basis? Usually just PMs, service checks, fluids. We didn't have anything real big. I mean, it was a reserve company, so we weren't working on anything too crazy. Right. And, I mean, other than that, we just more or less drove back and forth from the field when we did field ops or came back. Other than that, it was just more of them trying to teach us more than what we needed to know to do things that we weren't even ready to do yet. Okay, so what would you say is your best memory of being in the military? Probably when we went to the Boy Scout camp down in uh, Kensington. It was always a good time when we went down there. What did you do there? Um, most of the roads, the pavilions, um, they just put in a, well, didn't just, it's been like three, four years ago. Uh, they built an amphitheater and an intramural field. We did all of that. We took trees out, graded the land, pretty much built just about everything they have going for them down there. Oh, neat. We did on our, uh, annual training every year. We spend three weeks out there just going crazy with dump trucks, bulldozers, Front end loaders, all kinds of stuff. So, but it was always a good time down there. We'd uh, we go down to I don't know if you know where a Pinkies is. I don't. Pinkies Lounge. Well, it's a it's like a bar and grill down there, like a little family restaurant. We'd always go out there on Fridays, have a good time, come back next day, get up a little later than normal, <laughs> as of course. But uh, it was sun up, sundown. Stick time driving. It's awesome. We uh, we'd back down. Uh, it was up on a hill. It was called Turkey Ridge. We'd back down this hill because we had to dump our load, uh, like uh, trees, things that we tore down. We'd haul it out and get it out of the way. And we had this uh, dump site up. It was all uh, you know, like biodegradable stuff, like old trees, piles of dirt, stuff like that. We didn't need. And uh, we had his bulldozer push everything down over the hill. Well, they went back there with a tram one day, and he buried the tires. And I'm talking big, like, 1,200-pound tires, like, huge. Stood as tall as me. And they had half this tire buried in the ground. And we had to rope a wrecker off of a tank. the Or not the tank, but the, uh, the big D-70 dozer we had. And pull this tram up out of this hole. And left a rut that was, like, five, six feet deep. 
Wow. Because they were trying to back themselves out and they couldn't make it. We did all kinds of crazy stuff down there. It was always a good time, though. We took care of them. They always, Boy Scouts always came in. Our last day down there, they'd always cook us a nice, like, thank you dinner. And we'd have this big spiel. We'd spend the day hanging out with them and telling stories and them explaining, you know, what everything we did was for. I always remember because the one guy that was in charge of everything, like he's the one that set the grade levels and everything. His name, uh, it always cracked me up because his name was John McClain. (laughs) (laughs) And he'd always get so mad because he'd set his sticks in the ground and he'd wrap flyers around him. And his only rule was to not run over his sticks. And at least once a day, we'd take one of his grade sticks out and he'd get so mad because he'd have to go out there and remeasure and poke it back in the ground because we'd bury it. Other than that, I mean, I think I'd have to go with uh, my first trip when I went over to uh, Africa. I went over to Mozambique, and it was a total clusterfuck. (laughs) It it just didn't work out anywhere near as well as everybody had planned it to work out. Right. Because everything was supposed to be ran at night. Like, we were supposed to not be there. So everything we did was supposed to be in the middle of the night. Well, that went out the window after like three hours of being there. (laughs) There was news crews and all kinds (laughs) of things I didn't expect to show up because it it was like bad country down there. It's like when people talk about Africa, like being a rundown, like it's crappy place. This is what they're talking about. It's like mud huts, like people living in chamois chamois sheds there's like literally flea markets like set up everywhere but it's just tables people got stuff all over tables but that was a good time we uh (laughs) i had this captain (laughs) rode with us to one of these uh one of these little towns we were going to and i had no idea he was supposed to be riding with me he just comes up pops the door open on my truck and he asked me if uh i had room so I got, you know, one extra seat. He's like, well, I'm riding with you guys then. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's all I need. So we're going down this dirt road, right? And you can't see. There's no edge lines because, of course, it's, it's just a giant dirt road in the middle of nowhere. And there wasn't, like, really any paved roads except in main towns. So we're going down this road. And the only way we can see because we're, like, the third vehicle in this, this convoy we're doing. And it's just a dirt storm the whole way and we're looking out each side of the truck i got my a driver on one side looking out and me on the other side just making sure that we're staying between the ditches on the edge of this road which is only like two feet on each side of us because our trucks are way bigger than what their little cars were right and uh i happened to look up and i seen the humvee in front of us we had like 40 50 feet and it wasn't moving. Like, it was just sitting there. And we had, like, there was no brake lights, nothing. They were just sitting there. And uh, we're doing, like, 50. <laughs> and I happened to look up. I'm like, are they stopped? And the captain that got in with us, he's like, I don't think they're moving. And I had, I want to say, 13 or 14 guys from 
Africa's, they, they called them the Fatim. It was like their little militia slash army thing that they had going on over there. Mm. In the back of the truck, and I was like, oh, this is not going to end well. Like, I hollered out the side door. I was like, hang on. And I, like, pumped on the brakes and threw on the engine brake. And we, we stopped in about five, six seconds. Like, it was quick. It was <laughs> I got to hear a couple people in the back and this captain that was with me hopped out and he ran up to the Humvee in front of us. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like he went off. He was mad as hell. He's um, he's like, are you in park? The guy's like, no, I'm just holding on the brake pedal. He's like, well, you ain't have no brake lights. He's like, you guys do a service check before you started running this vehicle. He said, cause your brake lights obviously aren't working. And they had to hit it. And it was a it was a newer Humvee, so it was real touchy when you touch the brakes. And uh, he had to put the brake pedal all the way to the floor before the brake lights lit up. But if he went any more than like a half a push, it locked all the tires up. So there was no play between where the brakes hit and where the brake lights came on that he'd be able to push hard enough without skid stopping the Jeep or the the Humvee. Right. And uh, he's like. Next time you guys stop, put your put your flashers on or something. Like, let somebody know that you're slowing down. Throw a hand out there and, like, tell us you're stopping. So we get back in and we're going. And uh, we had some guys behind us start to fall behind. So we stopped to slow down to see what was going on. And they had a, um, a bunch of gear in one of the seven tons. And a, a sea bag had rolled out the front of the tarp system and landed it went down in between the cab there's a space between the cab and the back of the seven ton where we'd load the troops up well sea bag had fallen out and into the drive shaft of the seven ton and just burst i mean it exploded and they wrapped a whole bunch of uh whoever's stuff it was we we didn't find out until later it had wrapped a whole bunch of their clothes up in the drive axle back into the transfer case and fucked the whole transmission up on the truck. So they couldn't, like, they had to, it, it was like jerking and they slowed down and stopped. We have a procedure that when someone starts to fall behind, you beep your horn and you flash your lights to signal the person in front of you that, hey, we got to stop, like we're having an issue. Well, they weren't paying attention. They just kept going. So I stopped to see what was going on spoke to him and then we uh you didn't have radios or anything no that that's oh there was the front vehicle and the last vehicle were the only ones with radios and as the last vehicle came up it was our uh our convoy commander it was my staff sergeant at the time staff sergeant pollard and we figured out he's like catch up to them get them to stop let them know what's going on and tell them that they got some explaining to do because they weren't paying attention to the vehicles behind them. We get up there flying up. Again, doing like 50, 60 mile an hour down this road trying to catch everybody. And this dog comes out of the woods. No, <laughs> like just a little wild dog just came trotting out of the woods. And this captain's like on the edge of the seat. He's like, there's a dog down there. And I'm like, and I like slowed down. And moved to the right side a little bit. And he, like, jumped up out of the seat and, like, looked over the dashboard of the truck. He's like, did you hit it? And I'd missed it by, like, a foot. 
I went around this dog. I said, no, I missed it. He's like, man, he's like the one exciting thing I was going to get to see out here. We're not allowed to run the snakes over. And we almost hit a dog. Like he, he, he was, yeah, he was a special one. <laughs> <laughs> he was just looking, but yeah, we had to go up there and catch up with the rest of them. But anyway, they ended up getting the truck limped up to us, but we had to, uh, we had to call for a wrecker to come tow it back because they had to uh, shut the truck down because they couldn't drive it until they got the transmission fixed. Well, when we ended up getting it back, they got everything loose and they were running it backwards and they were pulling pieces. Like uh, we had a, they were newer then when we went the first time because they had just introduced like the windbreakers for the PT, looked like a tracksuit. They were pulling pieces of this guy's tracksuit and a Gore-Tex and I want to say like some skivvy shirts that they were just pulling pieces of stuff. It was just as they were spinning the axle uh-huh. the opposite way. It was all running out and they're like ripping it out of the transfer case and the uh, shaft of this truck, like it was a whole sea bag. It just exploded all over the road. Wow. It was this dude's entire like everything. Everything that he'd taken with him, like his camis, his shirts, his socks, his underwear, all of it, he just... Was it not, like... They had it stacked too high in the back, because we're only supposed to go up to the wall, and then the tarp starts when we're not supposed to stack anything over the wall. Well, they had everything stacked up in the front, and then everybody in the back, instead of laying it out across the floor, Mm -hmm. and it just rolled out the window. I can see that happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there was a, a trip to Africa, and then everything we did at the Boy Scout camp is probably the most entertaining things that's ever happened to me. Do you have any big regrets about anything you did in the military? Going to reserves. Oh, yeah? Yeah, if I, uh, if I had a chance to do it again, which obviously, I mean, we've talked, I am, I'm re-enlisting, um, I'd go active duty. But I would have stayed, like, active duty. And if I had done that, I'd just have stayed in the Marine Corps and not even saw twice about it. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the biggest regret that I had was switching to reserves. Because it was just, it was rough juggling, like, two lives. Because mm-hmm. I had, it was 90%, like, civilian life. But I had to stay 100% kept up with everything in the Marine Corps. I mean working here a full-time job and then going home and then being like oh well you have you know online classes you've got to do these are all due by you know next time you come in for drill next month and keeping up with uniforms which finding like a tailor in a normal town that's any good at all at doing military stuff military uniforms is almost impossible because <laughs> I took uh, I took some of my uniforms to a, a seamstress in Alliance where I live and it was bad like my service stripe for the four years was upside down and I want to say it was the wrong angle like they put it down instead of up from the, mm-hmm. the edge of the sleeve like it's supposed to be and then my um my rank that gets sewn on the sleeve up top 
one was four inches down like it was supposed to and the other one was five so they were they were off yeah it was that's not good no it's not not at all and especially when the reason i got it done is because we had uniforms inspections coming the next month yeah and i just paid them fifty dollars to do all of my uniforms and then another i think it was another 30 to have them you know pressed and dry cleaned and then they're fucked up. And it took them two weeks to do that alone. And taking them back in, they're like, these are wrong. Like, this stuff has to move. And they look at you like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> when you give them a paper that tells them how everything works and they still don't get it right, it's just not something. No. It's something that's fun like to the, deal with. I'm surprised, like, the surplus stores don't have a service or something like that. Why don't I have one near me? Ah. Alliance doesn't have a surplus store. Oh. It's, um, I want to say the closest one, like when I was at Drill, we had to go, uh, we had to go pick up some excess things because people were missing stuff when we checked gear in. So they'd send us to a, a surplus store because if you lose something, like you, you have to pay to replace it. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to do the paperwork. So they're like, hey, Go to the surplus store. You can pick it up for like two, three bucks instead of them charging you sixty mm-hmm. for the same thing out of your, you know, your paycheck. And that was uh, that was in PA. And really, because there's one in Salem. But I don't know how good it is, but I know it's there. Yeah, I from, understand. From Youngstown, it was it was like <laughs> a twenty minute drive to Pennsylvania, and then back this way. Right, it's like forty. Hmm. You're going the back in mm-hmm. uh, army, I think you said. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the differences between what's going on in the military now, just in general? I don't have anything specific. Right. Versus how things were when you were in. How long ago was that? Uh, I got out. It'd be three years now. Okay. Since so, I've been out. Has anything that you've noticed changed in those three years? Only things I've heard, nothing that I've actually experienced for myself. I do, I can say that um, discipline is, like, lack of discipline is at an all-time high. Oh, yeah. Because even my last uh, last thing I did was when I retrained before I got out. I retrained to be a mech instead of an operator. And being down in North Carolina with a bunch of guys that just came out of boot camp and um, combat training. It was it was disgusting. Like it upset me because they just they don't listen. They have no respect for authority whatsoever. Hmm. Like they look at NCOs like they're the same. Right. And then like they show the staff NCOs a little bit, you know, they show them respect. But they talk to them like they're best friends. Hands moving. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> things you don't do like <laughs> i don't i don't know how else to explain it just i don't they they wouldn't listen like right. telling them to sh- like stop talking like shut up in formation was like telling a bunch of kindergartners to stand in line it was time to go to recess they just jumped around touch each other turn their heads talking the whole time like just quit <laughs> just do what you're told and then they complain, well, why do we got to stand here all day? Because you don't listen. We're not going to move until everybody, you know, cover down, line, 
stand next to the person next to you, stand behind the person in front of you, hush your mouth, Mm -hmm. and we'll go. And that was like the worst concept to them. Like they just didn't know how to. And I think it had a lot to do with because when they get to their MOS school, it's the first taste of freedom that Mm -hmm. they can go and do things. Right. Since boot camp and combat training. Like combat training is kind of a, it's a little bit more lax in boot camp, but you still have instructors with you consistently. Mm Mm-hmm. They had a thing when I was in uh, 20-something years ago. <laughs> they started a thing in, in our tech schools uh, where they just had phases where, like, for my tech school was, what, three months long. So they would have, for the first two weeks after you got out of basic, you were in, you, it was pretty much, like, right. Lock- uniforms like, all the time. Yeah, like lockdown mode. It was almost yeah. basic. And then the next phase, you were able to wear right. civilian um, clothes and... Yeah, when I was, uh, like, when you get to, like, your MOS school, it's not some, it depends on where you go. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I went to uh, 29 Palms, and after you were done with your class for the day, you were released. You could change, shower, go to the store. You were free to go do whatever you wanted to do. Go to chow. Do your thing. Mm-hmm. When I went to Missouri, uh, Fort Leonard Wood for truck driver school, mm-hmm. you weren't allowed to wear civilian attire until the end of the day, Friday. All through the week, you had to have camis on. And then you could change on Fridays. But, I mean, other than that, there was no phases. There wasn't anything. And the only thing that was different is uh, if you were in... Uh, waiting to drop into your class. You were in a waiting platoon. And then that was the only time it was different because you knew you didn't know, you know, where you're going or what you were doing. Mm-hmm. So you would pretty much get carted around for breakfast, lunch, mm-hmm. and then whatever happened after that. That was, that's about as phasey as it gets is you're either in a class or you're not in a class. Right. And that was the only difference. Well, that's about all I got. Thank you very much. Not a problem. So I liked doing these interviews a lot. I'd like to make it a regular feature of the show. If you were a veteran and you have, if you feel like you have any good stories or just want to talk, all our contact information is here at the end of the show. Let me know. I really want to talk to you, and I hope that everybody who's not a veteran still found some value in this. That's all I got. Cancel. Adjourned. If you are interested in becoming a council member or want to leave a message, call the Stonefruit Media voicemail line at 234-262-0549. Email us at gray council at stonefruitmedia.net or find us online at wearethegrays.com the gray council is produced by stonefruit media the theme music finding the balance is by kevin mcleod at incompetech.com and licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 license